Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and little league practice. But over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories. Not any stories, mind you, but tales where things would go horribly wrong. Usually perpetrated by stupid people doing stupid things. While they grew into adulthood, their senses of humor stayed in the fifth grade. As they both gravitated to careers in broadcasting and they moved to separate coasts, their friendship grew even stronger in their obsession for the best stories of others' mishaps. Cover the young one's ears, pour yourself a strong beverage, and buckle up. The Box of Oddities is about to present Schnebley and Toth, the shallow end of the gene pool. So begins the final episode of... <laughs> The shallow end. <laughs> it very well could be. Don't laugh. I was just thinking it would be so funny to say that and picturing some couple driving in their car and the husband looks over at his wife and says, you said this was a new, you said this was the first of a... It's not. It's one and done. I don't think that's a surprise to many of us involved. Um, <laughs> the shallow end. I'm Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I'm the co-host of The Box of Oddities. I co-host that with uh, my, my lovely bride, Kat, who is producing this uh, series. The lovely and talented cat. Yes, hello. I don't know if she's really feeling good about this or not. But... <laughs> I'm here. Lindsay and I have known each other for years, and uh, even as kids, we really just loved to share stories about people doing really stupid things that ended tragically. And so we thought, you know, that might make a good podcast. So we're going to give it a whirl. The shallow end is exactly that. It's a, it's a look at people who had the best of intentions or at least at least the most curious of intentions and whether or not they I, I guess what they have in common is that people rarely thought things through right and we celebrate that here we applaud the the bold initiative the desire much like the settlers who discovered this great country what if we pushed past that hill what would we find usually dismemberment if uh... <laughs> dismemberment death disease <laughs> yep other words that start with D. That's right. It's funny until somebody gets hurt, and then it's hilarious. Anyway, Kat, do you want to flee before we begin this? And uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just... Uh, deny all responsibility? I think what I'll do is I'll just turn my mic off, mm -hmm. and I'll just listen. Oh. Um, and this should be fun. Okay, here we go. <laughs> 
Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I, uh, you know, we should have flipped a coin. Yeah, we should have. Um, I'll go first only because uh, I like going first. Okay. How's that? You always have. You always do. So. uh, (laughs) Not sure what that means. JG and I both spent a lot of time in uh, the great state of Arizona. In fact, I grew up there and uh, that's how I met JG. And of all the iconic shapes in the desert southwest, none is more well known than the saguaro cactus. The saguaro is, uh, people have seen it. You've probably seen it on cartoons. It's that long cactus. It's usually a long, like a stalk, like a tree. And then it's got the the screwy little arms that often go off in other, you know, in other directions. If uh, anybody has ever watched a Roadrunner cartoon, they they know what a saguaro cactus is. There you go. They're huge. They're gorgeous. And they only appear, this is something I, I... I learned only recently, they only grow one place on the entire planet, and that's the Sonoran Desert. So that's uh, the northern part of the U.S.-Mexico border with Arizona and then up into yeah, central central Arizona. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they're, very, they're only indigenous to that part of the planet. So if you see a saguaro somewhere else, it done been brought in on a truck. Now, when I lived in Arizona... I remember hearing that you can tell me if you've heard this or if it's just a bunch of hooey. You count the number of arms that a saguaro has, and you can estimate that it's about 100 years old for every arm. Well, JG, that's a very good point, and you get a gold star for research. <laughs> because for the first 75 years of their lives, they are only the trunk. They, they wow. only grow arms later uh, usually after 100 years, and sometimes they don't even grow them at all. I remember driving through the outskirts of Tucson and going, well, that cactus was there right about the time Columbus infected everyone with smallpox. You were very woke back then. <laughs> <clears throat> That's impressive. There's actually uh, two uh, national parks, uh, both outside of Tucson, Saguaro National Monument. There's some more Saguaro National Monument east and west. And there the Saguaros, because they're so rare, they're like they're protected, right? Yeah, they're protected by law. They get to be absolutely huge. They can be as tall as six stories, and they can live over 100 years. There are some some that have lived to to be uh, even 300 years old. Crazy. And so they're they're a real treasure. They're they're protected by law. They're gorgeous. Uh, people actually, you know, will buy properties because they love the fact that they've got a saguaro in their front yard. They're they're a big deal. So this saguaro leads us to a phenomenon called cactus plugging. You ever heard of this? No. It sounds filthy, Lindsay. Doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds like, well, why would I want to do that? It's got needles that could hurt my penis. (laughs) We're going to try this later. (laughs) Note to self. Uh So cactus plugging is is a, for lack of a term, better term, it's a pseudo-sport. And it involves... Usually getting liquored up. Mm-hmm. Which any good sport does. Sure, especially in the in the desert southwest. And getting a couple of guns and then going out and finding one of them sawari cactuses and and just blasting it full of lead until what? it falls over. That's a thing? That's a thing. Now, it's, uh, you know, understandably, it's illegal. So it, there's no pro circuit or anything for it? No, there probably, there probably once was, knowing the state of Arizona, there was probably a movement... <laughs> I think this cactus plugging thing could turn into, look at El Tour de Tucson, that's become a thing. (laughs) 
<clears throat> it works for bikes. Yeah. Why not? Uh, why not plug in cacti? <laughs> so they, people get together. They get uh, right full of the corn squeezins, and then they start <laughs> firing their their shooting irons. The corn squeezins or the devil's lettuce. Mm-hmm. The devil's lettuce. And uh, and they, uh, which is a term, by the way, I learned only recently from JG, and I, how I got this far in my life without knowing that as a uh, as a term for pot is beyond me. But it's become my new favorite phrase for. Uh, for the weed. So, yeah, this this is really not a sport. And it's obviously illegal because, for one thing, this is a protected species. And for another, it's just freaking stupid thing to do. That brings us to an interesting event in Arizona in 1982, which actually, I, I, you, were you living there yeah. then? Yeah. In 82? Yeah, it's okay. shortly before we uh, really started hanging out together. That's why I didn't remember you. Um. <laughs> So our, our protagonist is a gentleman named David Grundman. And a little bit of background on, on David. Uh, he grew up in upstate New York where they obviously, they didn't have no saguaro cacti, none. So if you, if you grew up in New York, you, you'd probably be even more amazed at these things because they're nothing like you'd see on the East Coast unless, like J.G. said, you, you've watched a lot of Roadrunner cartoons. Or... You've smoked a lot of the devil's lettuce. Speaking of that, in January of 79, David and a couple of his buddies, this is just a little a little background on, on David to kind of get you in the mindset of okay. cactus plugging. David and a few of his friends decide to sell three pounds of the devil's lettuce to a 16-year-old kid. Ah. And during this drug deal, David whips out a shotgun and tells everybody to hand over their money. But the 16-year-old kid who's buying the dope tries to wrestle the gun away from David, only to be beaten down by the other two. So the kid realizes, wait a minute, these two are with David. I'm being robbed. This is a plot. And David and his buddies take the money and run, figuring, what's the kid going to do? Call the police and say, hey, I tried to buy some drugs from some guys and they (laughs) robbed me? Mm. Well, that's exactly what the kid did. No. So... So the three get uh, jailed, and uh, David actually ends up getting four and a half years in the pokey, in the Hooskow. He's released early in 1991. He packs up his bags. He moves to Phoenix. They'll never find him in the Valley of the Sun. It's a giant, godless place. Why would anybody look for him there? He gets a job working at the Country Kitchen. Is that a buffet? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it is a buffet. I love a buffet, don't you? I love buffets. What's your favorite kind of buffet? Uh, one that's real starchy. Mm-hmm. I like a breakfast buffet, and, and I loves me some runny scrambled eggs and undercooked bacon. All right, so what's going on with this cactus? All right, yeah, back to the story. Cactus, Sorry. Yeah. So he, he gets a job at this, at this country kitchen, and he's trying to stay out of, out of trouble, and he's doing okay, but in February of 1982, February 4th, actually, David Grunman decides, you know what, I'm going to try this cactus plugging thing. He's obviously heard about it from people, and he decides this would be a good idea. So he and his roommate, a guy named James Sukaki, they throw two rifles and a shotgun in the back of their car. Now, where did he hear about this? From his cellmate? I'm guessing the country kitchen. <laughs> now, that, now that I think about okay, it, I'm sure. thinking when you're working at a buffet in Phoenix, after you've done, you know, putting out the, the fresh runny eggs and the undercooked bacon, your buddy probably takes you aside and says, have you ever heard of this uh, cactus plugging thing? Yeah. Let's go shoot up some cacti. So he and his buddy, James Sukaki, they, they get in their car and they drive 
two miles north off Arizona 74. It's just west of Lake Pleasant. You remember that where that was? I do, yes. So they, they're they now out in the desert, and I don't know if they were drunk or high, but I sure wouldn't be surprised, knowing how people in Arizona like to have a little fun before they get behind the wheel. And they get their shotgun, and they, they head out looking for, for cacti. David finds one, and it's only 10 feet tall, which, as I said, if for a saguaro, that's not very big. First of all, how difficult is it to find a saguaro in Tucson? They have them in front of the mall. Yeah, I think David was smart enough to think <laughs> this would be easy to do in front of the mall, but maybe I should go somewhat farther from law enforcement. So we've underestimated David. Right off the bat. My mm, apologies. David right. is much brighter than I'm making him out to be. <laughs> so... David uh, David puts around in the chamber and blasts away at this young saguaro, and nothing much happens. And he looks at his buddy and puts another you know round in the chamber, mm-hmm. fires, and just sort of sits there looking at him like that's all you got. He was being taunted by a saguaro cactus. He was taunted by a ten foot tall saguaro cactus. So he he's a little pissed off now at this point, and he starts just blasting this thing and finally after enough rounds it breaks in half and topples to the ground so that's one saguaro down grunman turns to his roommate sakoki and says whoa that was easy and they both realize well this isn't much of a sport i mean this thing fell after you know a few rounds but it was only 10 feet tall we need to find something bigger so they go wandering looking for a taller cactus and they finally found a 26 foot high saguaro now did they measure it before they started shooting i'd like to think that the roommate sukaki actually pulled out a tape measure and said hang on there david (laughs) i'm gonna get me a tape measure hold that uh 26 feet i doubt that happened but i like to think they were resourceful that way (laughs) it was later estimated this thing was over a hundred years old because i remember remember i told you that that uh for the first 75 years uh they don't even have trunks yeah so this thing's 26 26 feet high it's got to be easily over a hundred years old so david takes a a good look at this and thinks this is what we're talking about and he chambers around and fires into the cactus now you know in old lumberjack films or cartoons where the lumberjack would see that the tree is about to fall and they would yell timber yes as it's fallen yeah well david thought hey this would be fun i'm watching this thing fall and he starts to yell timber (laughs) but all he gets out is tim (laughs) and then boom because an arm of that cactus weighing over 500 pounds. Just the arm. Just the arm. Wow. Falls on David and he's crushed. <laughs> so now the roommate, Sukoki, is panicking. He's alone. He's in the middle of the desert. This is pre-cell phone days. Mm-hmm. And his, his friend is trapped <laughs> under part of a two-ton cactus. So he gets in the car <laughs> He drives like a bat out of hell, gets help, comes back, and the police are there with him, and Grunman's dead. Yeah. He's done. He's not only crushed by this 500-pound arm of a saguaro cactus, 
He's got needles in him. He's just, he's done as done. Again, it evokes the image of the Wiley Coyote Roadrunner cartoons. The only thing that would have been more perfect is if he had run off a cliff and then continued to run in the air for five seconds before he fell. Sure. And then the cactus landed on him. And in the background, there'd be a, a box from Acme. So this actually ends up, uh, for whatever reason, they need to, they need to do an autopsy. And the Maricopa County medical examiner, a guy named Dr. Thomas B. Jarvis, determines that Grunman died instantly and then says uh, afterwards to somebody, I've never seen anything like this. I've been at this job for 25 years. I thought I'd seen it all, but I've never heard of somebody being crushed by a cactus. And he had it coming. Boom. Wow. He had it coming. Yeah. He was actually immortalized in a song. It was a, a band from Texas called the Austin Lounge Lizards. And they wrote a song about his death called, appropriately, Flat David. Flat David would have been better. Maybe they can go back and change it. He's just called Saguaro. Wow. That's something. That's a story of David Grunman. By the way, I'm pulling this from uh, whatculture.com, Wikipedia, Arizona Department of Agriculture, the Tucson Citizen, and the Arizona Republic. David Grunman, and again, a perfect example of, of something that with just a little common sense, a little forethought, you might think, what if, and, <laughs> and then you might not do it. Yeah. Can you imagine um, somebody calling the manager at the buffet to explain why David isn't showing up for work? Well, I was thinking about his roommate having to go back to explain to other people, um, remember how we were going to go shoot cactuses and um, David said it was going to be a good idea and remember how we put the guns in the trunk and, well, David's not coming back tonight because um, what happened was... <laughs> That's just a, that's a long drive home yeah. thinking, how am I going to explain this yeah. to people? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, he had it coming. <laughs> he did have it coming. And let this be a lesson to the kids outside contemplating taking up this pseudo sport of cactus plugging. Or cactus yeah. pegging for that matter. Yeah, even, even better. <laughs> Don't do it. So is this is, uh, this is what we can expect from this podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's only episode one. Yeah, Dad. come on. Must we be so judgy first time out? I like that Kat's not only producer, but she's very pissy about it, too. <laughs> this is a whole element I didn't count on, where Kat weighs in at the end of every story saying, really, that's the best you got? <laughs> yeah, it says right on her business card, pissy producer. <laughs> I better be impressed or else. Snebley and Toth, the shallow end of the gene pool. We used to be called Speaker Town, but we've grown so big we're changing our name to Speaker City, the largest showroom of audio speakers on earth. Need tweeters? We got them. Need mid-range? We got them. Need woofers? Oh yeah, we got them. We've got speakers for your bike, car, truck, boat, RV, or 18-wheeler. We've got speakers so big they won't even fit in your home. We've got speakers so loud they can kill you. We've got speakers so complicated even we can't figure them out. If you like this commercial, just imagine how much better it'll sound on your new speakers from Speaker City. Speaker City! Off Interstate 4 in Orlando. Not affiliated with Speaker Village your speaker Hamlet of Miami. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. 
On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir de zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. It's funny until someone gets hurt. Then it's really funny. Schnebly and Tall, the shallow end of the gene pool. Okay, we, well, we back already. That was uh, that was delightful. That was fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, Linz. I have to say, is it is it cool that I call you Linz? Please. Okay, um, Linz, fella. I gotta say, that was delightful. I enjoyed it. Um, doing real well now, JG. You. Uh, must do better. Do not disgrace our household. <laughs> this is why I wanted to go first. I guess to sit back now with my legs up on the desk. I found this just the other day, and uh, it really, uh, well, it's been echoing in my head since I first read this article. Here's what happened. It was May the 5th, 2020. It was a sunny Tuesday afternoon in Modesto, California. How far is Modesto from you? You're in L.A. I'm in L.A. Modesto's uh, a good few hours, more central California. Gabriel Moreno was out for a leisurely drive in his late model sedan on Highway 99. And I really don't know if it was a late model sedan, but I just enjoyed saying it. I've always loved that phrase. For about a half an hour, his ride was very uneventful. Just enjoying the warm, sunny afternoon as the scenery slowly slipped by. But then suddenly something caught Moreno's attention. It was a giant rolling tanker truck. You know, the kind that they ship heating oil in, fuel. Yeah. Um, But this truck did not contain heating oil or fuel. It was uh, pulling a bulk cargo of red wine. Say it again. It was a tanker, (laughs) a tanker full of red wine. Dreams come true. 
It was at about this point that Gabriel decided he'd worked up quite a thirst. And this thirst couldn't be quenched with just like a bottle of Thunderbird or even a a giant (laughs) box of block white Pinot Grigio. Well, good God, man. He'd been on the road for half an hour, right? Yes. He was rolling tanker truck thirsty. (laughs) The truck driver was just kind of, you know, minding his own business, driving along. And uh, it was a fairly standard run for him. And I guess he'd done this several times. He'd, he'd made this trip several previous occasions with nothing unusual happening. So he's driving along and he looks out his side view mirror and he sees this guy with his uh, hazard lights on flashing him. Very strange thing to see out hmm. of a side view mirror. Sure. You know, on a peaceful Tuesday afternoon. It was also picked up on his dash cam video. He saw Moreno behind him in his late model sedan with his hazard lights flashing. And uh, Moreno pulled out from behind the truck and accelerated, pulling up next to the truck cab. And he's like frantically waving his arms and pointing to the side of the truck, indicating that something was wrong. And the truck driver was concerned that maybe there was some sort of a mechanical uh, failure that was taking place uh, with this truck. So not wanting to take any chances, the uh, truck driver slowly pulled over to the side of the road, following, of course, all the proper safety precautions. So the truck comes to a complete stop on the side of the road, Highway 99, and uh, Gabriel Moreno pulls up in front of the truck and parks. This is where it starts to get weird. (laughs) The truck driver waited for Moreno to get out of his car and come over and tell him what he was flagging him over for. Moreno put his car in park and he opened the door and he got out. Now, This was the point that the truck driver thought that something might be wrong. Uh, His first clue was that the man was was wearing nothing but his underpants. (laughs) He gets out of his his late model sedan after flagging the guy down, and he's just wearing underpants, just his tighties. This seems totally normal. What's... uh... (laughs) Yeah, waiting for the weird part, JJ. The second clue that something was a little unusual was before he even came to the truck. Now, remember, he gets out in his underpants. He goes over and he opens his trunk like he's getting something out of his trunk. So, you know, the the truck driver's thinking, I don't want to get into a scrum on the side of Highway 99 with a man in his underpants. And so he, he quickly threw the truck into gear and pulled away. So in the getaway, the truck driver, he's preoccupied. You know, he's thinking, what the hell was that? Um, and trying to drive safely at the same time. Uh, so he gets out on the highway and he's driving along. What he didn't see was that Gabriel Moreno was running along behind the truck. The dash cam footage picked all this up and it would show Moreno was able to catch up to the truck running on foot in his underpants, no shirt, no shoes, just underpants. He leaps onto the bank, a back of this giant tanker. Yeah, he does. And, and he climbs onto one side. Yeah. Again, just in his underpants on a Tuesday afternoon <laughs> in Modesto, California. Give me that Cabernet, baby. The video then shows Moreno Uh, slowly climbing underneath the moving truck just as it hits highway speeds. These ideas are just better and smarter each time. Now, this truck, this was a well-equipped truck. It had state-of-the-art safety equipment as well as uh, several surveillance cameras. In fact, there was a camera underneath the truck 
And the camera was, it just kept recording while, while he's climbing under the truck. Now, the driver couldn't see him. He wasn't viewing that particular camera screen. Um, but later, they, they looked at the video and they could see what was taking place. So this guy, he climbs under the rig. He unscrews the cap of a valve and wine begins to pour out onto Highway 99. Oh, no. And he sticks his head under it <laughs> and conducts his own mobile high-pressure wine tasting session. <laughs> Hanging on upside down in his underwear underneath a rolling tanker truck that's reaching speeds of 65 miles per hour while drinking wine from a high-pressure spigot. <laughs> And he did this for quite some time without being detected. He was under there for probably a half an hour or so. Eventually, the driver starts noticing he's bleeding cargo at an alarming rate. <laughs> and that's when he, he calls the California Highway Patrol. Modesto uh, California Highway Patrol officer Tom Olson took the call. And according to CBS 13 in Modesto, he, he said, I listen to radio. I've listened to thousands and thousands of calls. This one's up there in the top 10. Yeah. So after <laughs> contacting law enforcement, the truck driver once again pulled over to the side of the road. Once the vehicle stopped, Moreno dropped from under the tanker onto the ground, but continued to gulp wine as fast as he could. Wow. Again, from CBS 13 in uh, Modesto, uh, Officer Olson said, uh, This individual is able to release the wine from under the tanker, and he placed himself underneath the tanker in such a manner, the best way to describe this is somebody doing like snow angels. <laughs> <laughs> he was making snow angels in the wine overflow. Dreams come true. While continuing to chug the red, uh, red wine. In a report filed by uh, WCVB, CBS Sacramento. The trucking company said it lost about a thousand gallons of red oh wine. Oh, God. Wow. Most of it ending up on Highway 99. I'm going to call this episode No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, a thousand gallons, that's about 5,000 bottles of wine. Hmm. How much of that wine the perpetrator consumed is unknown, but it's estimated to be significant. Um, he was just drunk out of his mind by the time he was handcuffed <laughs> by uh, California Highway Patrol, who said he was very cooperative during the arrest. <laughs> he was taken back to the police station where he was cited for felony vandalism and misdemeanor driving on a suspended license. So he's in the back of the cop car and he's, he's handcuffed. He's on the way back to uh, the police station. And all he kept talking about was how he, he missed lunch and he was hungry. <laughs> now, Lindsay, you're a sommelier, or as I like to call you, a smart wine guy. Mm. Um, what types of foods do you pair with tanker truck wine? I would go with uh, with your roasted meats, you know, your steaks, your chops, mm -hmm. something uh, something heartier like that. Okay. If it's a red, you know what? What I I love the the imagery. This is where underwear is just funny. If if this guy had been buck naked, it would not have been as funny as <laughs> as him in his in his boxers, yeah, or his his tidy whities. Tidy whities. That's what sends it over to me. The edge is that <laughs> he had the presence of mind to think. Well, if I'm going to be drinking wine from a moving truck while clinging to the bottom of it, I should at least have some underwear on. And you know that they are cabernet stained. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Nicely yeah. done. So you recommended uh, meat or chops, and and he wasn't far off from that. He he kept uh, talking about how he wanted a quote jailhouse sandwich. That's all he he could talk about getting back to the <laughs> the jail was I need me a jailhouse sandwich. Jailhouse sandwich. At the time, California's zero-bill pandemic emergency mandate was in effect, so he was not held but immediately released just before they passed out the sandwiches, and oh, he was pissed. I can imagine. He was very upset. Imagine going through all that and not getting your sandwich. Yeah. Witnesses said that uh, he was he was downright belligerent. He kept asking them to, uh, to keep him a little bit longer so he could have his Sammy. But uh, that was not to be, so he he just collected his belongings and left the police station. About 15 minutes later, a 911 call comes in from a landscaper. Apparently, a man fitting the description of Gabriel Moreno had stolen his landscaping truck. Law enforcement (laughs) was dispatched, the truck was pulled over, and sure enough, it was Gabriel. He told the arresting officer that he was hoping for, quote, a return visit to finally enjoy his jailhouse sandwich. Man. The uh, Sheriff's Department spokesman, Sergeant Luke Schwartz, said, quote, Seriously, that's what he said. <laughs> Sadly, auto theft in California is uh, also eligible for zero bail, and uh, Moreno was released without his sandwich. Wow. Where do we find such heroes? That's my question. Them Sammies must be tasty, huh? <laughs> you go through all that, you get released, and you're willing to to commit another crime just because you want that sandwich. That must be one of the, like, God himself made that sandwich. It must That's be. It's got to be that tasty. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if if the whole episode, the, the jumping on and hijacking the wine tanker, that was all just a ploy to get himself a sandwich for free? Yeah. And if that's the case, then then he, you know, I would buy that guy sandwiches for the rest of his life. If you're willing to go through all that <clears throat> just for some meat between two pieces of bread, dear God, man, I've I've got your back. <laughs> <laughs> so there's my my big hero of the day. Now all I can think about for lunch is uh, is red wine on a sandwich. Well, I won't keep you from that. Um, <laughs> this has been truly delightful, and I think that. As we continue on, um, there will be probably fewer uh, critical comments from Kat. You think so, huh? <laughs> I say that now, but the year is young. I think you boys did beautifully. Well, well, thank you. I'm really excited for more of this. this is, thank you, Mrs. Kat. <laughs> this, is, this is really um, our attempt, this show, to make people, to, to have them pause for a moment and say, do I really want to drink from a moving tanker? Do I really want to blow up a cactus with a shotgun? Think about it first. We're not saying it's wrong. Just saying there are ramifications for decisions we make in life. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Do you guys have like a a closing statement or you got something fun to like wrap this up with? You like keep flying your freak flag? Nothing as clever as that. How about um, make good choices? Your life might depend on it. Yeah, there you go. I love it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast. Give these boys a five-star rating and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Join us next time for another episode of The Shallow End with Schnepley and Toth, the podcast that believes it's funny until someone gets hurt. 
then it's really funny. All content copyright 2022. Misuse of this podcast may result in serious injury or even death. Follow all label directions. This offer void in Fort Kent, Maine and Tucson, Arizona. And parts of Orlando. Don't ask. Just trust us. Okay, gotta go. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Cheers! 